live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the Pods Moving and Storage Studio. It's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work they love, and create amazing relationships. I'm George Camel, Ramsey personality, joined this hour by Rachel Cruz. And we are taking your calls at 888-825-5225. That's 888-825-5225. Josh joins us up next in Johnson City, Tennessee. Josh, welcome to The Ramsey Show. How you doing? Doing good. Hey, thanks, uh, you guys, for helping everybody out today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. What's going on with you? So I'll try to keep it brief. I feel like you guys have probably answered this close to 100 times in the past couple months. Um, my wife and I are first-time home buyers. We're not quite in the market yet. Um, with our income and our situation, you know, we've done the baby steps. We're 2, 3B. We're saving money every month and putting them into actually some mutual funds to try and gain some interest on that stuff. Um, but in this market, it just, it feels almost impossible. I mean, there's houses in my area for, you know, th- three bedroom, two bathroom, uh, 1700 square feet, for $325,000. And, you know, as a family of four with two jobs and a business, uh, it's, um, it's just not, it's not feasible. So like, what kind of advice do you have for individuals and couples and families in these kinds of situations. So how much money do you have saved? So we've got, you know, towards the house right now, we only have three, um, but we're putting $500 a month in some mutual funds. Okay, Josh, I would... I, I hesitate where you're putting your money. I understand you want it to grow, but it's so volatile. And last year, I mean, it's doing better now, the market. But I mean, if you had that money in it last year, you would have lost a lot of that. Um, and so we usually say with investing, it takes about five years kind of for the ride, the up and down to actually see some level of growth where it feels like steady and you know consistent. Um, and right now, uh, money markets and high yield savings accounts. I mean, you're, the percentages you can get four percent on I mean, these high yield savings right now. Yeah, so it, that's so guaranteed versus n- the market. Yeah. So again, if you guys are going to be buying a home in the next two, three, four years, I honestly would hesitate putting them in mutual funds. I understand what you're what you're saying um, to get some kind of growth, but I, it, it's still a little too volatile and too short of a timeline to do that. Even, even even if it was in one of those high yield savings, you know, within five years, that's you know, I mean, what are we talking thirty five, forty thousand dollars? I mean, that's that's ten percent on something. I'd still be house broke, you know. Well, the interest is not going to be the the winning factor here. It's your savings rate, and so the real question is, why can't we save more than five hundred dollars towards the down payment every month if we have no payments in the world? Yeah. Well, so that's what I, mean, I would focus on. How much are you guys bringing home a month? Bringing home, um, typically about 5000 close to, maybe a little under. And you okay. said that's between two jobs and a business? Yeah. Yeah, my business just started kicking off last year. I'm hoping to gain some this year, but it's not looking like that as of right now. Okay. And are you doing the two jobs, or is your wife working outside the home? I'm doing, my wife and I both have full-time jobs, and I have a side business as of right now. Okay. So the other part of this equation is, can we get one of those incomes up or both incomes up uh, by switching jobs? Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, And I hear you, Josh. I know, I know it's defeating and you know, we're, we see the numbers, we're in Nashville. So like we, we know, but 
But here's what's so hard. And I feel like we have this conversation a lot with people in California because everyone's like, I'm in California. And so what do I do? But math is math. And that's what's difficult, you know, when we sit in our seats that we know that there's a person on the other side, right? Josh, like you and your family. And it's like, yeah, you guys want to be homeowners. You want to be able to go and um, and own a home, which we want you to do that too. I think home ownership is a really important part of your entire financial plan, but we don't want it to wreck you. And so what what sucks right now is that, yeah, what you could have done four years ago with buying a house, it looks different today, but the math doesn't change. And so we don't we don't adjust our formula and the way we go about buying um you know, the the wise way of buying a home, that really doesn't shift, you know, depending on how the market is doing. It is, it's there and consistent regardless, because again, we go back to that math. We don't want you to put nothing down, get a terrible mortgage, um, you know, and it being half of your income. I mean, all of that would create more stress. That dream of owning a home ends up becoming a burden. And so again, I know it's frustrating and it's going to take time, um, and, and you guys, again, whether it's your incomes go up or your business takes off uh, or even the market adjusts a little bit, you know, I mean, all of this can be part of the equation, but you do want to stay on that path um, of looking to save up. Again, we always say 10% at the minimum for a down payment uh, to be there. And, and you may not get as much house as you would have years ago. And again, that's so frustrating. I know it's so frustrating, uh, but that's that's where we are right now. We But we just don't want... Sh- you know, all the listeners, including you, Josh, to go and do something to wreck your financial situation just just to have a house, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. I, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, that's that's why I was just reaching out to those who might know a little bit more than me. <laughs> yeah. And so what you were saying in like, so give give us some of the things that you guys are finding when you when you look at, you know, if you're looking up on Zillow or whatever, maybe what are the houses going for? Did you say around your area? Um, something that would feasibly accommodate what we need and what we, not even what we want, really what we need is 320 to 370,000. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And we just did an oh, article wow. about the, um, the housing market. I think the median house was price was 366. So that, um, yeah. in America today. Yeah. So what this means is it's more patience and more income. Because we can't control the market. So if I'm in your shoes, I'm taking the money out of those mutual funds. I'm going to put them into a high-yield savings account. Be aware of the tax implications based on the gains as you do that. Um, But that's going to give you a more guaranteed return versus what if the market goes down 20% and now you're extra defeated because you're pouring money into this thing and the balance is lower than when you started. So that's my big fear on that side. On the other side... The question remains, what is in your control is making more money. How do we turn that 500 mm-hmm. bucks into 1000 bucks, into 2000 bucks? Think about how that changes the numbers. $2,000 over the course of a year, that's 25 grand a year. Three years from now, that's 75 grand we have for a down payment. Yeah, because we, being able to do that, if you're $1,000 a month saving towards a house payment, I mean, within two, two and a half years, you guys would have a down payment yeah. to be able to go forward with buying a house. So again, it's... It's the patience part as well. So it's it's finding that extra income where you can. Um, and again, making it an aggressive goal. So even lifestyle-wise, saying, okay, you know, are there are there things we can cut here or there? I mean, even 50, 100 bucks per month, you know, helps that timeline decrease if that's really a, a, a goal you guys want to do here in the next three years. So it is possible, but it's, I mean, it's patience. But, but also, and let me say this, Josh, time does fly. Let me say that. I know three years is like, that sounds so exhausting. But three years ago, it was 
2020. It was, you know, March of 2020 was three years ago. And granted, that was the weirdest three that's years crazy. of any of our lives. But but that's what I'm saying is like it, 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 ch- time goes quickly. So even though it seems long and daunting, stick with it. And you're going to be so glad that you did. Absolutely. Thanks for the call, man. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey guys, it's Rachel Cruz here to tell you about a faith-based alternative to health insurance that can make healthcare more affordable, Christian Healthcare Ministries. CHM allows members to share each other's healthcare costs, and it's as easy as one, two, three. Step one, choose the healthcare provider you want. Step two, submit your eligible bills. And step three, get reimbursed. CHM members take care of your eligible medical bills. With no network and the freedom to choose your healthcare provider, CHM is the best option for Christians who want to take care of their families and help other believers. Find out more at chministries.org slash budget. That's chministries.org slash budget. I'm George Campbell, joined by Rachel Cruz this hour. This is The Ramsey Show. You can give us a call at 888 525 You jump in, we'll talk about your life and your money. Well, Rachel, I like to get riled up by videos on social media, and one, <laughs> favorite pastime. I stumbled upon one that really got my blood boiling, and I wanted to get your take on it. You have not seen this. I feel I like not. a magician being like, you have never seen I this. I love the live reactions, because so about to happen. I want to play it, it and uh, a little spark a little conversation about it. So mm-hmm. let's roll that beautiful bean footage. Why is your car payment $1,300? Because ah. first of all, this vehicle was $62,000. I did it for 60 months instead of 72, and I went zero down. Mm. I just didn't want to put any money down because it's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. You put How much money do you save if you put more money down? So basically, every $1,000 that you put down is about $20. So it would take five grand for me to lower my monthly payment by $100. Oh, so geez. in 1300 versus 1200 yeah, the same thing. Yeah, it would take you, what is that? 60 months to get your money back or 50 months? Oh, yeah. To, to, get, get, five, your, to get five, to get five grand, grand back? Oh, it'd, it'd take way too long. Wow. <sighs> Rachel, some people's cornbread just ain't done in the middle. You know? <laughs> they just didn't didn't fully bake in the oven. So this is, let me recap what this guy just said. He bought a vehicle that was $62,000 MSRP with zero down. 1300 bucks a month for 60 months, which if you're doing the math at home is $78,000 for a vehicle that was worth $62,000. Before he drove it off the lot and that it's, yeah, it's depreciated already. And so his logic though has nothing to do with the interest paid. He's going, why would I put more down? It's only going to lower the payment by a hundred bucks. What's the difference between 1200 and 1300? <laughs> and this is why we're broke. It's not in, we can't keep blaming inflation and eggs. At some point, we have to look in the mirror and go, stop being an idiot. Stop buying $62,000 cars and paying $78,000 for them while making 50000 and then going, oh, I wish Biden would really fix it and the taxes and the egg prices are out of control, Rachel. I'm going full king of the hill at this point. Oh, I love it, George. Well, for me, car pay- car loans, car payments, it's like, it's it's the it's my worst type of debt. If we had a rate debt... For me, it's the most annoying. You know, student loans, you get a degree, it's stupid. That's probably second. Like, I mean, like, you sure. know, uh, credit cards, people are like, we'll pay it off, everybody. whatever. So if we rate the debt, 
car loans for me. It's the it's the dumbest and it's debt the that one you can we be justify in. the most. It's the, but it, but mathematically speaking, when it you just look at your finances, it, it is it's the it's the dumbest thing that you can do with your money. It really is because you're borrowing money, paying interest on something that's going down in value. It's not an asset, and it's for what? To look to good? say that I mean, ser- I'm being serious. Like I'm like this is unbelievable. Like it's. It's one thing when we talk to people and they're in credit card debt because they're behind on their bills and they're trying to live, you know what I mean? Like, and you're, and you're kind of talking through this needs versus wants. And, uh, you know, we get those calls, you know, all the time. But I'm like, but a car payment, it's it's literally to for $62,000 to look a certain way and feel a certain way. It's an ego thing. The book, The Psychology of Money. Have you read it? Oh, no. Delaney oh, told me to read so it. so good. It's I've heard so great good. things. But I loved what he said in there. He said, really, the, re- <laughs> the reason people don't save like it's it's your ego Mm. and so if this guy's ego was out of the way and drove a great honda civic and didn't have that car payment he would be able to save that what thirteen hundred dollars a month but instead invest it but it's going into a not an asset. It's again because it goes down in value. It's that not even like a sixty-two thousand dollar car is now worth fifty, and then yeah, forty the next year. I mean, year. it's just and again, it's a, for a car to get to point A to point B. And, I, and I'm not mad at cars. We like cars, sure. Uh, so it's not that, but it's it's the way we our mindsets around it and financially how it plays out. It just becomes such a huge burden on on families, and uh, it's it's not wise. What's so shocking that poor to me. Guy, that, come on, dude. Come like on. we have such a culture of debt that we're so obsessed with debt that the logic doesn't go to, hey, how much am I paying in interest? Instead it goes, well, my payments actually, you know, it's a hundred bucks more, but what's the point of putting more money down? Just save a hundred bucks on my payment. Right, we're still right. thinking in such a stupid lens of what's the payment? Can I yes, afford the payment? You're not even looking at the entire mathematical equation for getting interest and all of it. And, yeah. Well, here's where that short-term thinking leads us, Rachel. Okay, tell The CBS me. News article, millions of Americans nearing retirement age with no savings. Mm. So here's a real sad story of a woman who's juggling two jobs. She's 66 years old, oh. sometimes working up to 11 hours a day, hoping, wishing to be retired, playing piano, enjoying her life, but she has no savings or 401k, not even enough to cover an emergency. She sold her home and bought a smaller one with two other women at 66. Yeah, yeah. This is really sad. And here's the stats. The U.S. Census Bureau data shows that 50% of women and 47% of men between 55 and 66 years old have no retirement savings. Mm. Half. Zilch. That's pretty wild. That If you were to quiz me, if we did a pop quiz, I wouldn't think it Never was that high. That. I didn't think it was that high. Oh. Man. And she said, I have a live for now philosophy, I guess. You think? I mean... It's shocking to me that people wake up at 66 and go, I should probably do something about that retirement thing, huh? Instead of using time while we have it on this, our precious time on earth right, right. to retire with dignity and have a great life. And so this is really, really sad. According to AARP, um, you know, experts say it's not too late to make a plan, which means we're continuing to work. We're lowering cost of living, saving when you can, delaying social security benefits until 70 to get the largest check possible. The problem is people can't delay those social security checks because they need them now. Yeah, they have because to have they're it so too. broke. And so this is just a, a I think the situation's only going to get worse if America doesn't wake up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's just and again, regardless of what age you are, we are in the the business of hope to be like you can do something different about your situation again, regardless of your age. But when you have time on your side, so young people out there we're talking to 
it, it is it's so important to look at the future and the problem is george like we want everything right now we want our life to feel good we want to we want to do what we want and saying no to what we want in the moment is not it's not popular and people you know it's so easy just to fall into that instant gratification and again we're not saying that you can't have a life and you can't enjoy your life and enjoy your money but it has to be in a level of a proper order and for it to make sense and the problem is is that people there's not a plan there's not a level of intentionality and it's just living paycheck to paycheck and you just go through your life and then you wake up at 66 and you're thinking oh my gosh i have nothing saved so we just don't want that for you well, the um, truth is it's not that hard to be a millionaire you just need to put a little bit away consistently over a long period of time. Yep. So the math isn't that hard. It's the emotion, it's the behavior, it's the habits. And so I'm plugging in this guy's $1,300 car payment into our oh, investment calculator. Fun. 30 years old. If you started with $0 and you invested that $1,300 car payment into the stock market, into a good index fund, a mutual fund, at 65, you would have $3.8 million. Is that if you invested every month? If you invest 1300 bucks every month, which this guy, people like this, will Are always have it. a car oh, payment. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. They're 100%. always going to have a big car payment. And he'd have close to $4 million. And he'd have close to $4 million. Yep. Instead, he could be like this poor woman. And that's it. That's the math for me, where I'm like, you're choosing to, pay, to to drive a car or have $4 million. Like, that's that's it. But, but he's out here peddling ego. his wealth it's hacks. It's the ego. It's the ego. Yes. That gets in the way. That's, I mean, seriously, that's... That's what happens. Any bro bragging about his $62,000 car with zero down. And here's what's funny issues. too. I'll quote the same book because he talked about how he was, a, the author was a valet in DC. And he said he would park, I mean, insane cars, like, you know, Lamborghinis. I mean, just like Porsche, all the, all the amazing cars. And he said, what's funny about being a valet and for majority of people out there, when you see an awesome car, you look at the car and you think, that's a cool car. Could I ever drive that car? You start imagining yourself in that car. What do I need to do to, to drive that car? You're not looking at the actual driver and looking at the looking at the the man or the woman and thinking, no. ooh, I wonder what with that guy. Oh, and you start, you know, wondering about the driver. No, you're looking at the car. So it's even like we kind of puff up ourselves of like, ooh, I'm gonna drive a cool car because people are gonna think I'm successful. They're really not even looking at you. They're looking at the oh, car. Yeah. <laughs> so like And the crazy it's just part like is this whole I, 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 I've got a friend who's got a really expensive car, hundreds of thousands of dollars, afraid to drive it. Wouldn't you be? Oh man. Imagine driving your house around worrying <laughs> you're gonna get a scratch on the thing. You're parking nineteen miles away so that no, someone doesn't yeah, ding your door. I know. We weren't meant to live mo, like this. Mo money, mo problems. Amen. And I'd rather have more money in the bank than in stuff going down in value. Let's make good choices, America. This is The Ramsey Show. I'm George Campbell. She's Rachel Cruz. This is The Ramsey Show. The number to call is 888-825-5225. Well, with debt payments and inflation stealing more and more of your paycheck, we know a lot of you out there feel like you're drowning and you're scared to death that you won't have enough to take care of your family. But you shouldn't have to live with that kind of stress. And if you want things to change, you've got to have your I've had it moment. You've got to try some new things with your money. And that means it's try time to try Financial Peace University. This is our flagship money course, nine lessons that will teach you how to beat debt and build wealth. It's everything you wish you learned about how to handle money growing up. And nearly 10 million people have taken Financial Peace University, and they'll be the first to tell you they don't worry about money like they used to. They're in control now, and you can be too. But you've got to decide that you're done stressing about money and take control. 
You can start Financial Peace University right now at RamseySolutions.com slash FPU. That's RamseySolutions.com slash FPU. Richard joins us up next in Richmond, Virginia. Richard, welcome to the show. Oh, sorry. Let me get on the right line here. There we go. How you doing? Hi, George. Hi, Rachel. How are you? Great. How can we help today? Yes, my question has to do with the rule of 55. Um, I turned 55 this year, and uh, I was wondering how I can access my 401k money without paying a penalty. I currently have an advisor, and his path was to, with my provider, I have to take a lump sum. I can't take distributions from it. So he suggested taking the lump sum out, putting a portion of it into an IRA, which I wouldn't touch to 59 and a half. And then the other portion would go into a mutual fund where that's where I would get my money until I'm 59 and a half. So I was wondering if I did that, will I incur any penalties? Because I told him I don't want a penalty. He said, no, there will be no penalty if you do it this way. My other question is, if that is, will I incur a, penalty, incur a penalty with that, will I then have to do what's called a 72T without incurring a penalty? Have you talked to a CPA about this as far as the tax implications? No, I have not. Okay. It might be a good step, but we can walk you through what I assume your advisor is talking about is taking part of the lump sum and creating a bridge account so that from 55 to 59 and a half, that is your money to live off of. Yes. And then we can access the rest of that through the IRA without penalty. Correct. Right. That, yeah, that, that's his suggestion. How much and do I you have? Make sure uh, in my 401k, I currently have about $1.1 million. Awesome. And is your plan to, like, officially retire? Uh, I'll probably still work part-time, uh, you know, to help pay for uh, medical insurance because my employer doesn't offer retiree medical insurance, so I would work part-time to help pay for that. Okay. And are you 55 currently? Uh, this year. Yeah, I turned 55 this year. Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm reading about it. I know about the Rule of 55. I'm looking into the details of it. Uh, it's saying withdrawals must be made in the year that the employee turns 55 and leaves their employer, either to retire early or for any other reason. Of course, it applies to workplace plans only. And retirement plan distributions taking this rule would still be subject to ordinary income tax. So that tells me there's going to be some tax implications here. Okay. So I would factor that into your plan. Okay. Are these traditional? Is this all traditional money? Yes. Okay. Because, of course, if it was Roth, you wouldn't have to pay taxes on this. But because it's traditional, it'd be just like your normal 401k, 59 and a half, and you're withdrawing from that. So the question is, do you need this money to get by for the next four years? Do you have any other savings, any other retirement accounts? Uh, yes, I have a couple mutual funds. All total, I have about $1.5 million saved. Okay. So the, you said you had $1.1 in this retirement account. You have another 400000 elsewhere? Yes. Okay. And where is that? Uh, that's in, part of it is in an uh, inherited IRA uh, that I got from my uh, father when he passed away. And the others is my own mutual funds that I've been putting money into. I'm wondering, can we tap those and use those to get by for the next four and a half years. Are you wanting yeah, to, re- is your main motivation, Richard, because you want to retire? Uh, yes. 
I'll retire without penalty. That that's my key. I said I don't, I don't yeah. want any penalty, and he assured me there is no penalty. I just want to make sure. Yeah, it won't be a penalty, but the taxes. But you you'd still be paying the taxes at fifty nine and a half. I mean, it, because it's a traditional. Yeah. So and either on, way, on you're going to pay taxes. Yeah, on the growth. So whether it's at fifty five or fifty nine and a half, um, that will be there. So yeah, I would look to see okay how much taxes will be paid. Um, on the growth. Now, I just pay taxes on what I'm taking out of the mutual fund, or would I pay taxes on the IRA and the mutual fund? Now, the IRA, is that a traditional IRA? Yes. So that, that I would don't, be a rollover. I don't know that you can you access that at 55? No, 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 no. I'm talking about when I take the lump sum from my 401k. You're going to open one. Oh, okay. And I open up an IRA, which I wouldn't touch at 59 and a half. Yeah, you'll probably be right? able to roll that over. Yeah, and avoid taxes with that if you if you roll it over to a traditional IRA. But wait, right. when you take he, it out and open up a mutual fund, that amount of money probably will be taxable. Right, which is what he told me that. He okay. told me that. Yep. Is this advisor yeah, one of our SmartVestor pros or is this outside of that? Uh, no, it's not. I'm just curious if you contacted one of our SmartVestor pros, get a second opinion on your situation and see what they would recommend. Okay. But as far as you know, that there wouldn't be any federal, no IRS penalty doing this route. As long as you're doing the rule of 55 and only tapping into the workplace plan, it would just be your normal right. taxes, but no penalties. Okay. And what about a 72T? I'm not sure about the 72T uh, as far as your situation goes. What is your understanding of that? Um, I mean, it's just something I read on my own that you have to take uh, a set amount out every year for at least five years, um, you know, uh, based on your uh, age and how much you have saved, and that you have to, you know, do it for at least five years. If not, then you'll be penalized if you were to stop or wanted more money or, you know, what have you. Okay. I'm still going to try to use the funds you have through these mutual funds and the inherited IRA and try to use that as your bridge account and see if we can leave that other money there until we need it. Okay. But I would get that second opinion from the SmartVestor Pro yeah, to I would, dig Richard, into this more. Because you're, I mean, this is, you know. We're talking about a lot of zeros on the end of this. Well, that, yeah, right, and yeah. and it's a big shift, right? If you're wanting to retire, I mean, this is a big life change that's happening and you're shifting your entire nest egg um, so I probably, yeah, I'm with George. I would get a second opinion just to double check a couple of things and making sure that there's not another route because the other, you know, if you sit down with, I mean, I don't know what they'll say, but a smart master pro, they may look at it and be like, well, no, actually, if you leave it in here, that's actually smarter because you can use this other money here. And, you know, it, it's like a big puzzle piece is what ends up happening. Yeah. Um, or if it's consistent advice, then, then, you know, that's the right route. But since it's such a big decision, uh, especially when it comes to your retirements and that you're actively going to be retiring. Uh, you want to make sure that, yeah, you're doing this exactly right. And we, we've got to have a full picture of your financial situation, which is, you know, hard to do in a five-minute radio call. So I don't want you to go, well, Rachel told me to on a five-minute call and all of a sudden, you know, your life shifts drastically. So I'd walk very yeah. carefully through this big decision and get a few opinions before you make it. But, but also, it's exciting, Richard. I mean, this is, awesome. you've done a great job and you were, you're the opposite of what we were talking about. Another segment of- Retiring yeah, broke. You, yeah, you, I mean, you have it. And yeah, and there's a way to be smart and strategic about the, these funds that's going to help you more and more in the future. So yeah, you don't want to do something dumb and pay more and penalties of something that, you know, is unnecessary. So well done for you and and congratulations yeah. on retiring too. But it's a fun conversation for those that do want to retire 
quote unquote early before yeah. 59 and a half, because there is a great mix of there's tax deferred, like your traditional, there's tax free, like your Roth, and there's taxable through your brokerage account. And so through that mix, you can create a really cool strategy to go, oh, I can retire at 55 and use yep. this bridge account with this brokerage money without touching retirement. Because most people can't. They don't have the money at 55 to be able to do it. Yes. Uh, for majority of people. So the fact that, yeah, you're able to, but you're right. There's so many There's so many parts of the equation that you want to look at and you just want to be wise with it because uh, it's amazing. In that world, again, why we love SmartVestor Pros is they usually can find some strategy to say, oh yeah, here's how you can save here. You know, if you take the growth out here and live on that, I mean, it's it's a whole strategic play. All based but it's on great. tax brackets and taxable yep. income. And right. so it's a very nuanced discussion, but it's one worth having with a trained professional like the SmartVestor Pro. So way to go with your whole financial plan, Richard. Proud of you, man. This is The Ramsey Show. This is The Ramsey Show. I'm George Camel, joined by Rachel Cruz this hour. If you're a new listener to the show, first of all, welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, but if you're looking for a deeper dive on what we're all about, the Ramsey baby steps, the money plan, you can go to RamseySolutions.com and click on the Get Started button, and we'll help you figure out the best next step for your financial journey based on exactly where you are today. Again, that's RamseySolutions.com, uh, Get Started button. That's all you need to click. Ray joins us up next right here in Nashville, Tennessee. Ray, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? We're doing great. How can we help? Oh, yeah. So I have a question. I'll kind of make it fast. Um, so I have a collection, and um, I called the company to see if we can settle on it, and they said no. And the only issue I'm having is because they upcharged it about 500 bucks of what I originally owed. Upcharges in penalties and fees? I'm, I'm guessing. Uh, they just sent me a letter saying I owe them, I think, 1379 with the original... Um, what I owed before that was 849 What kind of debt is this? Uh, this is just from a apartment complex uh, about some carpet. Okay, some damage when you left? Yeah, basically for a pet, even though I paid the pet deposit, but they said something about um, they still had to change it, but they charged me for it. So can you ask for an itemized bill that shows all of the charges? Um, with, uh, with the uh, collections or the apartment? Both. Because collections, legally, they have to give you an itemized bill of exactly what they're actually charging you for. Now, I, I do have a, I do remember seeing, um, but basically they were saying that, you know, they had to do the carpet, and they charged me for that, and they charged me for the labor, and then they charged me uh, for some type of steel, sealant, because I guess I got a puppy, so, you know, body training and whatnot, so I'm guessing um, they said the urine, you know, kind of lingers, you know what I mean, that smell, so they had to, like, coat something up, up, uh, across the whole apartment with that. So that's why they said it was eight forty nine. Did you check your lease agreement? Do you still have a copy of that? Um, no, I do not. Not emailed nowhere. Um, maybe in my emails, I possibly could. I mean, this has probably been about two, three years ago, so I don't think I would have it in paper, but I could definitely check my email. Okay, I'm just wondering if you can go back through there and look through the fine print, even going to the apartment complex and saying, "Hey, do you guys have my old lease agreement on file?" And looking through that and just having a discussion with them. Now, it's already in collections, okay. so they're not going to be able to apartment. do anything about it. They've yeah. already sold that debt to collections. But if you can at least get the lease agreement from them, you'll at least have a little more ammo when it comes to you know what your legal rights are here. Okay. But 
if if you can't negotiate with them, you're going to have to pay it. But I would first at least get an itemized bill to understand what you're paying. Yeah, because you want to be able to look at what the collections with the fees and all of that to be able to, because that that will give you ammo as well, being somewhat knowledgeable of what this is. Like, hey, well, let's just take off this, this, and this off the line item and reduce it here, you know, as you kind of start the negotiation versus just, hey, will you just give me a lower payment? Uh, so as much information as you can have, Ray, is, it's really going to help you. But yeah, see what the pet policy is. Um, did they refund you your safety, de- like when you, um, safety deposit? No, ma'am. They so, kept it, yeah. So that feels like you shouldn't have been charged That's extra right. on top of that. If you already, they kept your deposit. So- Again, that lease agreement is going to tell you everything they need to know because that's what they are legally bound by. It's what you're legally bound by. And it may not be worth fighting. I'm not saying you should go to small claims court over this. Do you have the money to pay it? Yes, I do. Okay. So at the end of the day, yeah, if it if nothing budges, I would just pay it and we call it stupid tax around here. It's stuff that you're like, dad, gum in. I, I guess hate this that is I have a to puppy do that. tax at this point. Yeah, that would be a is the dog tax. still with you? Yep, yep, she's still with me. I think the dog needs to pony up and pay for this. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I wish she'd get a job, but it doesn't work like that. What What kept you from paying it the last three years? Did you forget about it, and then you got a letter and realized that you owed it? Um, well, I actually bought a house um, probably about an hour away from Nashville. Um, but a couple months go by, and I just get a random letter, and, you know, I'm just dealing with all, you know, re- you know fixing up the house and stuff, so money was a little tight, so I kind of just blew it off, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So looking at the lease agreement, like George said, is going to help, but there may be a factor in there, Ray, that, yeah, if you, if it's enough damage, you may be the one liable for it. And then again, seeing the itemized of what the collections, what they added onto it, um, because they may have had some type of small interest on it, you know, as the months go by or $500 feels like a big swing there. So I think if you have the proof that it was 849 and you have that itemized and mm-hmm. you say to collections, hey, I'm not paying this until I see an itemized bill because what I'm seeing is 849 which I'm happy to pay, but I'm not going to pay this extra $500 without knowing what it is. Okay. okay have you, have you, you tried the, yeah, have you tried the thing of um, kind of the tactic of like, hey, I have $849 right now. Will you just take it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I tried that. I tried to negotiate. You know, it's like, you know, can we just come to a price agreement? I could pay it today. And she yeah. said, okay, let me take a look. Um, and she said, no, there's no option for that right now. I would call back. I mean, honestly, Ray, those most most collection agencies, just just think of Office Space, the movie, where they're just in a bunch of cubicles. It's soulless. And they, mm-hmm. they and, don't want to do this job. And, and that lady you talked to, honestly, probably isn't going to be there in 90 days even. I mean, like the turnover rate, all of it. So I would almost just keep trying Get the itemized bill. But, Ask for the supervisor. But That's just always keep, the problem. Yeah, move. keep calling and asking because you could call tomorrow and they could give you a different answer. That's true. Depends on who you get. So okay. good luck, man. This is a I know it's a tough situation. But the great thing is too, right? If you had to pay it, you have the money. So that's that's the upside on all of this. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to Chelsea in Boise. Chelsea, welcome to the Ramsey Show. How you doing? Hey, George and Rachel. How are you guys? We are doing great now that we're talking to a bundle of sunshine. <laughs> I love it. Well, it's raining here in, in Boise, so got to bring the sunshine. I desperately need some financial guru advice. Well, we are, uh, we are not gurus, but we'll try. We can help. Uh, we'll yeah, just we be, will do our best. We'll, we'll do be your friends who are happy to Google it. And I'm a mega fan, so it's, I need it. I'm in a bit of a pickle. So I'm kind of stuck. I'm in baby step two currently right now. 
and I find myself in need of replacing a transmission, which is fine, or buying a new car. And I don't know what to do when I'm stuck. Okay, how much how much will the transition transmission be? Okay, so right now we're looking at three thousand. Supposing that's all that's wrong with it. If it's not like, you know, an engine rebuild or anything like that, we okay. think how much is the car worth? The car is only worth about a thousand to fifteen hundred. It's a two thousand three Ford Explorer with about two hundred and twelve thousand miles on it. And you've oh. checked the Ke- Kelly Blue Book value on this for private sale? Yeah. And it's yeah, about a thousand bucks. Yeah, about fifteen if we were lucky. Oof. Yeah, I would save I, I would save the three grand, honestly. Uh, I'd probably sell I'm it for a thousand. Sell it for a thousand and, and take three, four yeah, grand. Go get and a buy four thousand yeah, get a four thousand dollar car. Well, so the caveat is <laughs> we have about according to the every dollar app or the baby steps app that we use, yeah. which is fantastic by the way. Um, it's about we have about twenty two uh, thousand dollars in debt. So that's kind of where I'm caught up. We have about $9,000, but it, we're using the envelope system. Um, and so it's like wrapped up in like different subcategories. So if we had to liquidate, like liquidate everything we could, and we would have about nine in cash. What would you be liquidating? Like different categories of the envelope system. So it's like wrapped up in like. Oh, like different sinking time. funds? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, in this case, Chelsea, we always say, you know, this is part of your four walls. So having a car that runs is is an essential. We would we we would consider that a need. So for the time being, what I would do, since you guys are in baby step two, you know, it's yeah, it's a, you know, you could sell it for a thousand bucks, and then maybe take two thousand and go get another three thousand, you know, three thousand dollar car to get you through some of the baby steps so that you're not depleting. All I don't want you, you know, depleting all of your savings, but also this nine grand could start going to this $22,000 in debt as well. So we do have another car. My husband works four jobs. So he has, um, yeah, he's a firefighter and EMT. He does it. He does it all. Bless him. Um, uh, so we have a Ford Explorer that's a little bit newer, not by much, but we do have two cars. Um, so we could sell one and just go down to one car. I like yes. this plan, Chelsea. You could do that too for a bit. Temporarily. Be a family, yep. Until you save up and you get a clunker that gets you around for now. Remember, it's all temporary. We're going to be out of this pickle real soon. Appreciate the call. That puts this hour of The Ramsey Show in the books. Hey, it's George Camel. If you like what you heard in this episode and want to know more about getting started on the Ramsey Baby Steps, go to RamseySolutions.com and click on the Get Started button. We'll help you figure out the best next step for you based on your specific situation. That's RamseySolutions.com and click Get Started.